0: Online show live. I'm your show host, Dame Lillianne Walker, and I'm so happy and excited to be here in Huntington Beach, California, at Luxia Media Studios. And with us today, we have Jodi Tucker, who has an incredible personal story and a proven method of promoting high quality leadership in complex situations. The stream of research and professional contributions that Jodi makes has led her to engage politicians business owners, and industry leaders to think deeper around what it means to lead and to actually be a part of a high quality team. Now, Jody's company is Jody Tucker Incorporated, and this is the continuation of a journey that fulfills her desire to create, lead, and support people from all walks of life to transform themselves and the people around them on an authentic growth journey. Now, Jody isn't just one who pedantically teaches this. She's actually walked the walk and does the talk. So I'm so happy and excited to have her on the show today. She's Thank also you. a co-host on the Total Woman Show on the Transformational Success TV with Dr. Barbara Young, which is a published TV show that's currently airing in over 51 countries and growing and that particular show on a channel network of over eight different TV channels is actually the number one show. Yes. Jody, yeah. thanks for being on the bottom line live today.
1: Thank you, Lillian, it's a pleasure to be here with you today.
0: So let's start let's start our uh, conversation before we get into this show topic today. Let's talk about where you grew up, and I love for our audience to you know feel that personal connection with you. Are sure. you from a family of one, a family of ten? Were you orphaned? Were you not? We've had the gamut on the show. Right. Where did the universe plant you <laughs> when you oh. first came to the earth?
1: <laughs> well, I I grew up in a, a really small town in Alberta, Canada. So, um, I am the oldest of four girls. My mom and dad had four of us. I was the oldest. I, um, small town living, I think was a a great influence on me. Um, I, you know, being in a small town meant that I knew everybody, everybody knew who I was. Mm -hmm. And I, my, my mom was a a very well-respected member of the community. She was a nurse and the people would, you know, Constantly be, be in and out of our home um, because of my parents and their connection within that community, so I, I got to watch um, community building from a very young age, and uh, leadership uh, just I think be, was a part of my personality so I was one of those children who continually asked why and, and I know we expect that of toddlers but uh, you know when you 're ten and eleven and and people say to you um, you know really that 's not allowed i my My response to those things would be, well, why not <laughs> why can 't we do this um, so i I was one of those kids that challenged and i think I think a lot of people didn 't know what to do with that mm. and uh, I, I really encountered the um, the issues that you know that I talk about professionally now uh, already when I was quite young in terms of if you have an, an innovative idea, how do you put it in front of people? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you encounter authority that feels oppressive, how do you get around that? Um, how do you feel okay about who you are in a context where the expectation is that maybe you just are a little too much? And so those are some of the topics that um, I had to wrestle with very young. I remember I was probably in let's say the eighth grade somewhere in their eighth or ninth grade and my uh, school class so we, you know small town small school so there was about less than 80 of us in, this, in, in, a, in, a, in our class, and we would have a traditional class outing. Very common, you know, you would go as a class and do things, but uh, I think the cutbacks in education are sort of, those are longstanding issues at school space, right? So, uh, you know, there wasn't any money for us to go anywhere, and I thought, well, why can't we? If, so I went to my classmates and said, if I organize this, would you be willing to do it? And they all said yes. So Here here I was, uh, probably 13, maybe 12, 13 years old. And I thought, well, they're not going to take us on this trip. And at that time, it was a trip to the wave pool in in Edmonton. West Edmonton Mall was a brand new big thing uh, for the Alberta community. So, you know, we wanted to go and do it. And I, uh, you know, created my first waiver (laughs) document, um, written in pen on the back of my math homework, and had everybody sign it because somebody told me you need a you need a liability waiver. Well, what does that mean? So I wrote I wrote it down, made all the kids sign it. Uh, I went bus to bus after school until I found a bus driver who was willing to be paid in quarters and dollar bills, Um, and I collected money in a peanut butter jar, and I paid for it. And we went, I found chaperones, the whole nine yards. So even though the school administration wasn't willing to, um, you know, step forward and make that trip happen, I felt that we could probably pull it off. So Mm -hmm. stuff like that were regular occurrences in my life. And, um, I, 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 know that there were adults who really felt like, like maybe I was not, uh, towing the line. I was asking too much. I was, uh, engaging too wide and they they really wanted me to just just sit down and be quiet, right? Yeah, the, the sentiment of children should be seen and not heard. Yeah. Um and, and I and I and I actively challenged that. I still challenge that. <laughs> the whole idea of, you know, shrink to fit doesn't doesn't resonate with me. Yeah. Um, and and I and I do believe that a lot of people who find themselves um following an entrepreneurial type dream probably had a similar kind of experience, uh, at some point in their life, they kind of thought, well, wait a minute, I I have more and I am more. And so I'm just going to go do more. Um, and I, and I find that that really resonates with a lot of people when, when you say, Hey, I remember, and I remember really, really young being asked to not be myself.
0: Well, and let me ask you this, your par- it sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like to me that your parents didn't um, uh, thwart that in you. They allowed you to ask why, and they didn't keep you from is that, I'm doing that. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Um, my dad was a very jovial, easygoing guy. So uh, whatever we thought that we could do, he was like, well, why not? I mean, so my dad did things. We lived on a small kind of a, an acreage. So not, mm-hmm. we weren't farming, but we had land outside yeah. of town. And so he would do things like build us uh, swimming pools out of lumber and, you know, line them with plastic and, wow. and and flood our backyard in the winter and make us this giant skating rink. And so, you know, he was a very creative kind yeah. of guy. We had some really unique, interesting childhood uh, things to do because of that. My mom was a professional. So, um, and a, a really well-respected woman within our church community. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, would, I would imagine that my mom struggled more with my outspokenness than my dad did because there is a, an expectation of, um, you know, that I am, that I show a certain amount of reserve in my behavior in terms of her circle of influence. So I think she probably found that a little more challenging. Like when I asked why, I don't know, I should probably ask her, did she end up defending me? (laughs) But there, it would have been my mom's circle that would frequently say to me, um, you know, you need to stop. And I, Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't, want to. So even leaders within our church community, when I grew into my role, um, as a leader within my youth group and uh, within that small town, um, were frequently frustrated with me challenging the notion of the status quo. So yeah, they allowed me to explore it. I appreciate all of the, the professional dynamics that I got Mm -hmm. to watch my mom engage. I was fascinated by that. Uh, I really wanted to be that when I grew up, but I could never quite figure out how does she manage to not make anybody upset? Cause <laughs> <laughs> I tend to really, you know, bring out the edginess. Um, and, you know, so that was something that I really had to address and, and move past if I was to grow into who I was. But, yeah.
0: And it sounded like, you know, obviously you were expanding and growing and you weren't afraid to expand and grow. And even when, the adults said, no, you were like, well, why not? You weren't, uh, you were self-assured enough in your, in your being that you're like, well, but this is what I want. And I see that, you know, okay. So if the school can't put this, you know, trip together, it's like, well, you know, I really want to do this. So maybe if I can put the pieces of the puzzle together, maybe we can do this. And Mm -hmm. since nobody else was moving in that direction, you didn't ask for permission
1: no, I didn't. And I really and didn't.
0: Started to put it together, and yeah. and I think that is so key. That you know, that is I guess one of the first principles. Where you know, this show topic is the secrets to success and jumping into the unknown. Yes. And the the bottom line is that, you know, it's funny. Just recently, um, uh, there was somebody. I'll I'll remember in a bit who who it was who said it, but you know, the real bottom line is that every single person on the planet, it doesn't matter how successful they are or how not successful they are, nobody really ultimately knows. Mm -hmm. And until you have something in your, let's say we're going to use you as a prime example because you're sharing about how you wanted to go to this field trip and they were called the wave runners, you called it?
1: thought we were going to the wave pool. We're just going to go in a big pool, yeah. So it's
0: a school field trip to the wave pool and the school is basically saying, sorry, but we can't do it. And Mm -hmm. you're like, well, why can't we do it? And so the first thing was you had a desire to go to the wave pool and you weren't going to sit there and say, okay, there's an obstacle. These people are saying they can't do it just because they can't do it. Doesn't mean I can't do it.
1: That's right. And
0: so the first thing was you had the desire. Number two, you made a decision to make it happen and you des- you decided okay what what do we need to do to do this and you started just going by instinct well let me find out let me ask questions yeah. and yeah. asking a lot of questions asking everything from bus drivers to the establishment to yeah. back to the school to the parents to the chaperones to the students who were interested in it it was asking and not being afraid to ask
1: yeah and you know that that followed me right into my professional life as a as a young professional i had mm-hmm. the same kind of engagement where people would say well those things aren't possible and instead of hearing no i would hear uh, well let's find a way and i remember um, being very young i was in university and i was working at a care home with individuals who were had severe physical Uh, and mental disabilities and we talked about taking these folks on a vacation well why not why can't they go and enjoy their life they have a deserve a quality of life just like everybody else and so we started to dream about what could they what would they want to do and uh, we did some small excursions and finally we decided oh you know what it would be great if we could get everybody on a plane and go on a trip somewhere a little further away And uh, I remember again, my administration feeling very leery about whether or not this was going to happen and me thinking, okay, well, why not? And every time we got little pieces of information, it seemed to me that the, the, those above me would see, you know, well, now you have to, you have to prove this. Well, now you have to prove that. And at that That time. yeah. So they, so they just saw one obstacle after another. And all I saw was, okay, that's more information. Let's go deal with it. And we actually had to ground a plane. We had to ask the chief operating officer of the airline to ground a plane wow. so that we could demonstrate that although we weren't ambulance attendants, we could do a two man transfer out of our wheelchairs onto and into a plane passenger seat. So they had to, they had to watch us do all of that. And, and right when, when we were told that, well, you can't because you're not, you know, we've never transferred this kind of, uh, passenger before. Oh my goodness. The the issues I thought, well, let's just go do that. So, so, so we did it all the time. My administration of the, the organization that I work for, um, you know, they just kind of stood back and went, uh, yikes. And we did it anyway, and you know what, Lillian? We got all the way to the hotel, so we did it. We got on the plane. We did this. We were going, and then we got to the hotel <laughs> where we where we were all staying. And these beautiful, you know, expensive, uh, custom made wheelchairs would not fit through the hotel room door. Oh, we get all the way there. And so I had to have the concierge give me a screwdriver and we had to take the door off the hinges to to get, get, to get into the room. And, and so I had to call him every, it was, so it never once did it occur to me that failure was an option and, and never, never once did it occur to me that it wasn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. It it was just going to happen. And, and all of these things were just, you know, pieces that gave me an opportunity to show people, well, we can do it anyway. Um, and, and, and as an entrepreneur, that's, that I think is a very important quality for people coming to market, people who are in business, um, to hone within themselves. The idea that, um, sometimes no, isn't the answer they should accept. Sometimes, yes, it is. But for the if you really want to go for it, uh, consider what no really means to you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you know what? And, and it's it's funny what you're saying, because I think it's so true. It's like you, you chose to, instead of focusing on the obstacles and the limitations, and the barriers that were being presented for you, they're like, they're not an obstacle. They're not a barrier. They're not a challenge. It's just something I need to figure out.
1: It's just a piece of it. Let's just yeah. go do it. So, yeah. it, it,
0: you know, I've, I've had the, the principle of 1% doubt and you're out. So, if yeah. you have 1% of doubt that you can't do something, forget it. That's the, the weak link and that's where all your energy will go and you won't do it.
1: Right. So, yeah. if
0: you choose not to allow any doubt to creep in and you choose to for sure just leave and know that it's going to be, and that you can accomplish whatever it is that you're, yeah, whatever that impossible dream is.
1: Absolutely. Let's that's just like, go do it.
0: I mean, that's pretty crazy to think that you got all the way to your destination and now you a- a- arrive at this luxury hotel. and oh, it, was, was it was nuts custom made wheelchairs. None of them fit because they're all you know, oversized for just, the doorway that's yeah. already built. So yeah. I was like, okay, no problem. There's got to be an entrance in this building, or if we need to, we'll take a screwdriver
1: to it and take it apart. And- yeah, and, and this was the wheelchair accessible rooms, which had wider <laughs> doorways, wider doorways in and out of the bathroom, but the actual doorway into the room was the same width as every other. It was uh-huh. Yeah, there's a funny story. I mean, the people that were with me were by at this point just emotionally exhausted, <laughs> and I just went, "Well, we're not leaving, and we can't sleep we're in here. a hallway." Uh, somebody, go get me a screwdriver. So, um, I hope that concierge can tell this story with as much joy as I can, because man, he had to come up and down and help us all the time. But, that is so funny. Yeah. So, tell us
0: tell us a little bit about. Um, I, I know you've had uh, we've had some wonderful. Um, Exchanges in the limited time that we've known each other. We haven't known each other that long, and uh, we've had the great blessing and um, mm-hmm. great fortune that Dr. Barbara Young selected us both to be co
1: hosts on this. Absolutely, podcast. it's a good connection.
0: Great. We we did those four shows and we're on together for the the full season, which is exciting. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's going to be great.
0: And one of the things that we talk about a lot on this show are, you know, how do you know when you're on the right path and, you know, when it comes to the secrets to success, what signs, indicators, what are the things that let you know that you're moving in the right direction? And one of the things Mm. is, obviously, when you have a high resonance with another individual, like you and I, you know, right we met each other on the set we didn't have any you know um pre pre-time prior yeah. to the show in order to kind of get to relate with each other or the you know our common denominator is dr barbara young right for sure
1: yes yeah
0: and unbeknownst to us we were like bookends you were the blonde and the brunette
1: <laughs> it was really unbelievable the energetic connection i really enjoyed it yeah, but- i it yeah
0: and the way everything unfolded and the, the show topics which are pretty controversial were uncanny yes. so you know yeah. to our listeners out there you know pay attention when you have a high resonance when you have a lot of um, either mirroring or similarities with another individual mm-hmm. uh, um, Tom Justin uh, he used to be an anchor on KTLA News here um, he has a system called the intuitive click and the intuitive wizard and okay it talks about uh, the feeling there's an emotional or sensational feeling that you have and it's a little different for everyone uh, you know for me I call it the God feeling and it's like this it's like this vibrating electric electrical type of sensation right. inside okay. my body right and, and at the same time I kind of get the equivalent of goosebumps and it's a very unique feeling that doesn't happen. Goosebumps are a little different.
1: So <laughs> yeah.
0: I only have it when I'm meeting certain individuals and I know that there's, it's like a divine appointment and something almost supernatural is happening.
1: It's very visceral, isn't it? I remember very that.
0: Very visceral, very much in your yeah. solar plexus. Um, totally. And Tom Justin had a one of his clients. She had like a little twitch on her right toe every time she had. Really? Yeah. So for her, it was like this, this very poignant, clicking on her right toe that happened every single time and she started to notice yeah every time it was her you know the tip of her right toe so it's going to be different for everybody you know the universe god source whatever you want to call it you know we don't right. want to get into religion here but whatever that higher power that you acknowledge you know it knows how you were created and how best to communicate to you so you'll have some sort of feeling that will be very distinct that will happen only in those times mm-hmm. that happened when jody and i were on the show and um it wasn't just us being aware of it it was pretty clear
1: the whole uh, room felt that whole room. Yeah. The, the crew
0: felt room. it the crew commented about it there was a definite magic there's an interesting combination For sure. 4 co-host with with these four shows that we did it really was quite magical Absolutely. it was and uh, in our follow-up talks, um, it became very evident to me and to Jody that we're supposed to do this show together. On on this, here we are. <laughs> so here we are. Yeah. Um, Jody, you have also some incredible things that you've done in terms of policy, which is not always a female-dominated uh, environment. And no. <laughs> you know, there's. I'd like to say that, you know, it's an equal playing field in business as a general rule of thumb. And truly, you know, as women, there is no limit to what we can make, we can make as much if not more as a man, it's not really a man or a woman issue. But there are some things that we are treated a little differently. Mm -hmm. A man we're saying and doing XYZ, the reaction is different. If it's you know in it is you or myself yeah no matter whether we're tall or we're short we're blonde yeah. or we are just the fact that we're a girl um, yeah and sometimes it's like wait a minute if i weren't a girl and if i were a boy you clearly would have not responded sometimes there are other ah. who are responding this way yes other times it's it's men and you're like yeah. wait a minute if i were a male they would not be responding this way this the only yes. way they're doing this or saying this or having this attitude is because I'm a girl.
1: Yes, That's not cool. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's. I think it's really important to give that. Um, it's to to really bring that into the light of day. But that that does that does play in rooms. I mean, as a. Um, as my career developed and I moved into situations where um, my ability to do high level analysis was, was the key reason I was in, I was in the room um, and I was engaging uh really big budgets policies that had that were that uh should i be successful would set precedents for thousands of people um coming behind me in fields of, of disability and and uh, mental health and mental wellness uh knowing that those were the stakes mm, um it I was see. it was yes it was very interesting to me to to be aware of how uh people responded to the to the fact that i was uh i was very young in my field um i have crazy blonde hair and i was a girl so those those three things in tandem uh i just had to be aware of it not um reactionary to it but knowing that that was that these were elements that i was engaging whether i liked it or not it was in the room yeah. and what, what was stunning. So I did this little kind of a social experiment. At one point I dyed my hair black and the difference, yes, the difference in how, uh, professionals, lawyers, politicians, uh, regional managers in government, um, responded to me was, was glaringly obvious, the difference. Uh, I, the first time I walked into a room and, um, Across the table were provincial representatives, and law- their lawyers, um, and their key witnesses, and so on. When we're we're doing legal pr- proceedings that have to do with appealing budgets around individualized care in the province of Alberta, um, they were underprepared for me. So what I what I you know let happen was the um, the the expectation that I wasn't going to bring that. I wasn't going to bring them to the edge. And so, so my response to that was just to let it, let's just see, let's just let this happen. So I watched them, their presumptions become voiced in the room that I w- that I wasn't prepared to win or to take them to the wall. And, and then I responded, uh, you know, did my little inner monologue of it doesn't matter what they think you did, you came here to do a job, you're going to do a job, they think you can't do it, let's show them you can do it. And then I would put all of my knowledge into the room and watch them scramble. So it was so I think for for women who end up in rooms where they're, they're underestimated, it's, it's an interesting um, practice to not react to it, because that sometimes I think is the expectation there. There's some, there was some baiting, there was some, you know, presumptions that maybe I didn't know things that I knew really well. And then when you open your mouth to speak, the only, the only thing that comes out of your mouth is this beautiful uh, engagement that shows them that you're everything they th- that they thought you couldn't be. Mm-hmm. And I, I never lost a case. Wow. So, and, and later, um, and I was very quite edgy because, and I knew that that some of the things that they were making presumptions about were were inaccurate. But again, not not reacting to it was, I think, surprising for some of them. So you know, three meetings later, they stopped bringing their lawyers because the lawyers didn't help. <laughs> there was no point. Uh, and um, years later, some of those uh, same officials. Uh, found me through different things that I that I'd done, uh, you know, contacted me through LinkedIn. And I thought, Oh, my goodness, I remember I remember these gentlemen. Um, they were high powered people. And I don't even want to know if I want to see what they wrote, you know, did I just get absolutely, you know, slammed by this man that I haven't talked to in a decade. And their comments were lovely. And they wow. and what they what they told me was we and that this particular gentleman who teaches uh, teaches at um, a law school in the province of Alberta. Now he said, I remember your passion then and how impressed I was with you then. And I thought, Oh my goodness, I cost that man like half a million dollars one year in budgets because he, he lost and I won the appeals that we were presenting. But, but I guess the message that I, that I got years later was being authentic in that room then uh really resonated even though I wasn't aware of it. I wasn't even aware that I had made a good impression. And I wasn't concerned about making impressions, let me be quite clear. I didn't really pay any attention to the impression I was making. I wasn't on your radar even. No, I was just there to do a job and do it well um, and to and to get my clients what they had asked for um and to steer the whole thing. So that sort of became what I was known for is steering complex situations towards resolutions where I could leave that room saying I was, I was successful. And years later, the other parties in that entire proceeding saying we enjoyed you and we enjoyed that. And I thought, man, that really made the whole idea of authenticity stand out for me then as an executive coach Mm-hmm. I've been the professional who absolutely I took a big risk by not oh, yeah. being what they expected and um, by really challenging the status quo regardless of their 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 initial impressions or um, you know what agenda they put into a room I w- I could steer it so at the end of it he's coming back to me and saying that was a that was wonderful what you did then And, and I, you know, authenticity has become, um, a big part of what I talk to other, other entrepreneurs about that it's, it's, it's never worth it to be less than who you are. And even though I took huge hits as a, as a young woman, as a young professional for being the person that challenged the limitations of others, sometimes people with the ability to fire me, destroy my reputation, um, cr- you know, uh, create huge fallout for the people around me. I mean, I, I was engaging very vulnerable populations. So being authentic serves us, serves us better than we think it does mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And, and, I, and I, looking back, I can see that that's been a theme for me. I don't know that I was necessarily conscious of it at the time uh, because I, you know, there's a certain amount of, I just put the blinders on and I'm just going for it. (laughs) Whatever other garbage comes at me, I'll figure it out, but we're just going to go. But authenticity has really been something that I've talked deeply with other, especially women about being in rooms where you can do that.
0: So let's talk about authenticity and what does, what does authenticity mean to you? And how would you define it
1: you know I think authenticity isn't just about being brazen and it may have sounded like that that I was very brazen Um, but that that isn't that isn't really really what I mean to me authenticity is about being able to understand and accept your your gifts and we're, we're all different. I mean, even though you and I connected, I mean, there was an instant pow connection between you and I, there is, there are complementary, authentic things that are you and there are complementary, authentic things that are me. And I, I think that knowing that your gifts are, are the pieces of you that your family, your business, your colleagues, your market requires you to embrace and and embrace it fully what whatever those gifts are to you so the the process of discovering that for me was a process of Mm self-reflection and and I've really built that out in the coaching and the training that I do that um, unless you know you you can't sell you (laughs) There, there is, there is no such thing as branding by proxy. It,
0: it, <laughs> branding it has, by proxy is You notebook. can't do
1: it, right? It, it has to be wholly, fully you. And because I'm that geeky policy girl and I just like rub my hands with glee when someone says to me, yuck, here's my paperwork. I'm like, give me your paper. Because what I've start to teach small business owners or solopreneurs is your business plan has to reflect who you are. And, and your marketing plan is gonna fall flat on its face unless you are absolutely standing in your authentic self within your business. You, you can't, you, you can't uh, delegate that to somebody else. So, you know, I've, I've seen people pay thousands, I paid thousands for marketing plans that never worked. Because, because- they weren't authentically you because i was expecting somebody else to tell me okay give me the secret sauce that's going to make me amazing in my in my field well yes and no i mean there are there are established strategies don't get me wrong but but it's the entrepreneur's responsibility to know who they are before you can do any of that other stuff yeah. so for me it was understanding and accepting that i am a highly analytical thinker mm-hmm. and that although that some people find that intimidating or, um, it's, it's not well received by people who would like me to play a small game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, yeah, that is one of my biggest strengths that I can see far and deep faster than a lot of the people around me. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I learned that, um, that being able to break things down that high level thinking into ways that people just sitting in their living room, having a coffee with them would be able to understand the concepts. Well, mm-hmm. was another one, with another one of my skills that I could take the complex and make it, make it manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I also learned to embrace my crazy hair and my wild shoes and so did my clients. You know, they kind of went, Oh, okay. She showed up and she showed up completely herself. We're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it it really became a, a, a signal to them that I, I felt good about who, who mm-hmm. I was. Therefore they could feel comfortable with what was going to happen next. Um, but then there's a whole other layer to, to being authentic that I think that a lot of people shy away from in business. Mm. And, and, and that is, that is the idea of, of sharing who you are as a human being, putting, mm. putting that back into our business acumen or our engagement as professionals. Who says that our, our clients or our market won't appreciate that we're single moms or won't respond to the fact that we've had some emotional Uh, scarring happen Mm -hmm. or doesn't want to know the story about, you know, who Jody was when she took her entire grade nine class to the swimming pool and everybody said she couldn't pull it off. You know, being, being able to share and, and merge the professional me and the, and the personal me Mm -hmm. is the other piece of authenticity that I think that I think the world is really craving from leaders. I think so. We want to know who we're with, right? I, I want to know you. I, I don't want to know all the stuff you know. I, I mean, I have a thousand books on my shelf. You can go read the book. But you want to know who you're with. And, and it stunned me, Lillian, how many people I've met in the last year who are high-quality, respected professionals who are in so much pain because they're trying to hold their personal lives separate from their professional engagements to the point where they're, and this happened for me too. I was literally literally physically ill because of the, the strain that that creates trying to compartmentalize those pieces. And, and I, and I think there is a huge call in the marketplace for industry leaders to start being transparent yeah. about their humanity. Yep. And, and that, that to me is, uh, is a piece of authenticity that freaks the crap out of a lot of people, you men know, it's,
0: and women, absolutely.
1: Both yeah. men and women about what are people going to think if I, t- if they know this about me and I, and I, what I don't, what I don't mean is go to work and vent to your clients about how bad your life sucks. That's not what I'm saying.
0: That's not what this is about. No,
1: but what I am saying is that, that those, those points in your life make you, um, so much more real, Mm -hmm. right? I remember going to this doctor's office, just to to give you an example. So here's a professional who has uh, a lot of knowledge, a lot of authority, very well respected uh, person. And about in one of the the exam room that we were in, so I was there with a the parent. So it was an advocacy case I was doing. And in her room, in the room, she had a collection of ceramic figurines along the top shelf mm-hmm. in the exam room. And you don't get very much time to connect with doctors these days. When you get ten minutes, you don't you don't get a lot of time. They, they, you're in and out. And she came into the room, and I thought, okay, this is a challenge. How do I connect with a professional whose time? Frame with me is I can count in seconds <laughs> so I commented on her figurines because I thought that's really interesting, but that's very that's right here she's showing a part of herself that makes her more approachable for her clients, but do you know what she said? She went, Oh, somebody bought me one of those one year for Christmas, and I don't know it just became a thing. She had zero connection to all of the stuff that were it was just clutter for her, wow. and I thought. Oh, she's missing it, because here I am, and here's this 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 patient of hers. She could have had a genuine connection, had that actually been authentic. Yeah, but it wasn't. And she it was just, just thrown up there. Totally missed it. And and I think that that's a lot of the case. You know, how much do you put in the room? You 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 should put you in the room, even if you are the cardiologist, even if you are. Um, you know, the, the, the doctor of divinity, who doesn't, whoever you happen to be put you in the room. Um, and I think what you're talking about, you even, it's funny cause you even showed it with the expression of
0: your hands, where you were saying about how you have your professional life and your personal life and you know how there's a struggle to keep the two separate and yeah. you have this powerful, successful leader in your business life, but in your personal life, you might have things going on and heaven forbid should the two ever meet. And, right. you know, that's, you, you talked about how, you know, people getting physically ill, and that's because you have dis-ease. You, you're not ease with the entirety of who you are, and yeah. you're not at ease with the entirety of who you are, then you have disease, you know, yes. you have a lack of ease, which yes. illness, and whatever the weakest organ that you have in the body is where that uh, illness is going to go towards. If, yes if, if your lungs are weak you'll have things that are related to your lungs Good. if your heart is weak yes. so whatever physically is the weakest link the energy is going to go to create a disease a sickness that's related to whatever that particular organ is and yeah. of course we're in pain we're in emotional pain first and then you're in physical and emotional mm-hmm. pain. that truly is uh,
1: undesirable And those become very. I think that that's that's your spirit standing up and waving its hand and saying, "Hey, you need to take care of this," and 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 own you. Even 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 when we talk about self care, and and there is a lot more available now in terms of self care Mm -hmm. within the workplace um, and amongst professional circles. We're starting to rewrite that. I don't think we're quite there, but there's a lot of movement towards. Respecting and engaging self-care, but even still, giving it value giving it value. Uh, but even even still, there to me, it's just it's still too too disconnected. You you do your self-care, but you do that on your own time. Um, yeah. it is kind of the message, right? Mm-hmm. How dare you? How dare you take uh, time off or vacation time? I remember when I reset my hours with my client, saying, "Hey." I'm not available between three and five p m because I'm picking up kids from school
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind kind of unexpected <laughs> it, it, because my clients were what do you mean uh, what do you mean you' you're well I you know and I, I just wanted to be very transparent in saying, I need time with my kids between three and five if mm-hmm. you'd like to book after uh, I will be back in my office at seven p m until eight thirty if anybody you know would like an, an evening appointment, mm-hmm. but I am not working and and the the pressure for me to bend on that <clears throat> so i think even self even self care becomes becomes a distant kind of engagement for a lot for a lot of people um and i would even i would even go so far as to say that self care is is the preservation of yourself within your business and within your professional engagements.
0: Well, you can't give from an empty cup. If your you cup is empty, absolutely. it's empty. There's nothing to give your cup. Your cup has to have, you know, either be half full or yes. full in order for you to yes. give something from the cup. Cause an empty cup, you pour it out. It's empty. You know, it doesn't do anybody.
1: Yeah. Anything. Yes. Um, and to be quite honest, I, I really do see that there is a, a very strong movement with within Uh, within market for women to be the leaders around this issue to say that there are places where we within within our professional relationships can offer empathy healing listening all of the all of those so-called feminine aspects of leadership Mm -hmm. are now what's being required (laughs) for us to say hey um the, the The evolution of authenticity with within the business community is something that that women are going to be able to lead in absolutely
0: well and you you touched upon earlier too about how you know in the setting of your meeting with this doctor you know there's all this knowledge that we can get from books, and you know there is no lack of knowledge and information out in the world, especially with the internet. you can pretty much yeah. Or anything that we ever wanted to learn. Right. We can pretty much learn it on the internet. But really it's when you are in that place of being and you're in that authentic place, of, you know, for yourself, it, the more authentic that you are and the more you embrace your beingness, that's really what people yes. pay for because your the knowledge and information they can yes. get anywhere. But it's yes. the, the, that magical experience of being with you that. It's like, you know what? No one can replace that. And uh, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, it sounds, you know, like when you are being authentically you, you're embracing the entirety of who you are the good, bad, the ugly, the wonderful, the magical, et cetera. So you're standing in in the entirety of that and you're owning that space. You're owning, you know, your, I don't know if I even want to call it identity. I just want to say that that's the energy of your spirit and your. Mm, Yeah. How you're showing up. So, talk a little bit more about that, and how do you think that that um, what would you recommend is the m- uh, number one step that people need to do in order
1: to show up like that? Right. Well, let's let's actually go with that word identity. That's not that's that's not so off in a way, because all right. So, so I'll tell you a little. I'll tell you a story. When I was when I was younger, um, one of my absolute heroes was Wonder Woman. I loved the idea that someone up there could defy, I mean, we're talking about the laws of physics even, right? And 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 there's just no limits, it seems, for, for the superhero genre. So what do I want to be? One of those people. And I actually have a photo that I put up when I'm doing a my keynote speaking and it's a, it's of me. I'm about nine years old, eight years old. I'm hanging out of this tree. Okay. Remember my dad built us all sorts of stuff in the backyard. Wow. So I've got this great set of monkey bars out there. Um, that, you know, probably weren't very safe, <laughs> but, but I'm cool. up there. I'm up there in my red swimsuit and my blue knee high socks. Ah. And, and I, and, cause I'm wonder woman mm. and I'm leaning out of that tree. And I made my mother take a picture of me uh, as I lean out of that tree and, uh, you know, am I a superhero today? No. And I, and I talk a lot to women about sometimes being a strong woman means you take off the cape and the boots. Okay. So mm. it, it means something a little different now, but that word identity, I, I, I had a sense of who I was at eight years old. And I, and I think, all of us did, whether you wanted to be a fireman, a policeman, a uh, wonder woman, or in my youngest sister's case, she wanted to be a giraffe. I don't know how that worked out for her, but, <laughs> you know, but, but there is, there, there are themes about who we are and our giftedness, our authentic selves that start at that early stage of identity development, which is right around eight or nine years old. And, and as we grow and make choices about where we show up in the world and how we show up in the world, that identity pulls through Mm -hmm. either as being intact or, or not intact. Mm -hmm. And that would be the thing that when I, when I see people struggle, so I I typically engage people at two places, either they just, they're just starting to figure out they've got something epic that they want to put in the world, or they've hit they've hit that best before date in their career and they're wondering, is this all I got? So both of those places are pivotal, pivotal moments around authentic self and, and identity. Hmm. And, and and what I ask people to do is, uh, you know, who do you, th- who do you think you are? <laughs> who do you think you are then? And how does that relate to who you are now? So I never grew up to, to be able to fly. Hopefully in my next life I will, but you know, I didn't ever get to defy the laws of physics, but what are the themes of me, the authentic me that pull through? So even if you didn't become the ballerina or the queen of England or all those things that eight year olds throw out there, right? Mm -hmm. What, what's the theme about you that pulled through And if, if you're, if that, if that aspect of you, if you're true to it now, then it doesn't matter the, 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 what you do doesn't matter as much as who you are. So whether you're in an environment, so let, you know, sometimes I'm talking to people whose work environments are things that are toxic Mm -hmm. and leaving it, leaving it is the choice that they're trying to make. Mm -hmm. They're trying to decide, do I stay here? And make the best of what I, what I have, or do I, do I move? And, and I think that that is the first step. Can you be truly you in the environment that you're in? Or in the roles that yeah, you're does in. the environment support you or does it take away yeah. from you? Yeah. So so the, the question isn't 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 one that says look at the external and see, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then you know so what I'm not saying is don't go to the place where you're thinking I've screwed up, I'm in the wrong place. all oh, my education, ah, I just you know I've I'm a I'm a hot mess. That's not what I'm saying. What i what I'm suggesting is you have to look for the resonance can I be me in the, have I chosen to be me? And, and once you can sort of unfurl that, then you can start to make choices about where and what, but you you have to know who you are first. So, so I would ask people, tell me who you were at eight years old. What did you want to, what did you want to do? And, and I mean, tell me for real, did you want to be a giraffe? Like, let's be for real now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, let's figure that out because then you can see how you've been, you've been working towards that at a very, um, maybe sometimes even a subconscious way. You're not even aware. Wow. That's the same. I, you know, I, I, I was, uh, owned a recycling business and, and now I sell house insurance, but are you, is it the same thread? Can you pull it forward? And, and if you can, then where you are doesn't matter as much as who you are. If, if you can't pull forward, then that's where we start. Mm-hmm. If, if, you, if there's complete disillusionment about, I don't know how I can show up or I don't know how I am showing up as me, I've lost me, then, then, that's, the, then that's the place to start. But it, it is a process of inner reflection. And that to me is the first step. Can you identify the theme in your life? The theme for that started when you were eight mm-hmm. let's find that before we decide whether or not you need to make a major career shift or before we can decide or you can decide whether or not your brand is appropriate or your your product it will do will give you the return on investment that you're looking for. It first has to start with. It, are you being are, are you being that person because if you're not then then none of this is going to feel good later y- even even if you have financial success and um recognition for your achievements if it if it's not if it's not you then it, it it's not going to feel good later
0: yeah it yeah. can't be it can't be a, a reproduction of somebody no. else you know housed as you uh you know it, it's funny because Recently, I heard somebody talk about the fact that you know it 's not there 's an element of of life which you know says that you have to work really hard to earn a lot of money and then there 's another but you know we 've all seen people who really don 't work very hard yes. who are more in their beingness and because they 're in that authentic place of their beingness they 're paid unreasonable amounts of money and I know people who work hard to do what they're doing and are paid a fraction and here they are you know just being owning their own space and in their beingness they're paid millions yeah case we all know you know people who would have loved to have been professional baseball players who worked really hard at being excellent baseball players and you know never made a living at being a baseball player and here you have this other individual who you know, did what they absolutely loved, would never consider doing anything else. And now they have a contract for $240 million for the next 10 years. Yeah, They would have done it for free. But clearly there are people who are
1: equally skilled. Yes.
0: But they're not making $240 million, but this guy
1: over here is. Right. And it, it's really, it's interesting, isn't it? When you sit back and think about that, I I really had to shed all of that, um, that programming about work hard, work, you know, that, that, that money only came f- through struggle yeah. or success. So success was only, <clears throat> and I think we inadvertently, um, give people that message, you know, that diamonds are produced under pressure uh, and they sound love, like lovely, wonderful, motivational, um, not necessarily and, true, but they're, but I don't know if it's the right I don't know anymore. So here's me being authentic. I don't know anymore if that's the right, if that's truly the right message to be giving people that you only, unless you're struggling, you're not succeeding. I don't, I don't know. You know, all those pictures of, you know, it's like uh, pushing a boulder up a hill. I don't know anymore if that's, well, if that's the, if that's the journey that I want to be on anyway.
0: Well, I, yeah. Because, you know, and, and I totally, right? because that's, yeah. that's, you know, the first. You know, I'd say the first four years of my life have been, you know, of course, I was taught to go to school, become yeah, a, me too. Best, you know, a student, and get a degree, and work hard, and, and be in a lot of activities and president of all the clubs and the different groups and all that kind That's of stuff. Right. And, That's right. And, uh, and then, of course, yeah, follow your passions and so forth. But of course, you've got to be practical because you have to make money and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you know, you, you work hard and I, you know, I did do extremely well. But then, you know, I re- just recently heard um, about how life and, you know, creative force energy of the universe. I mean, if you look at, mm-hmm. look at the plants and the trees, they don't have to strive or work hard to get sunlight. And right. sunlight's required in order for them to live. It's part of their food. But they don't have to work hard. They just are. And there's all the sunlight that they ever needed is always provided. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and then I heard uh, the same person say, I think it was Neil Donald Walsh who said that, you know, when it comes to, to wealth and abundance and, and so forth, and, and money also, that um, we've been taught that you have to work hard. And so that it's, yes. you know, money is an energy and money doesn't really respond that well to a quid quo pro. Right, And as soon as I heard that, I thought,
1: exactly.
0: wow, you know, that's true because if you are hired for a exactly. job and you're working, you know, the expectation is that you work 40, 50 hours a week and this is your, your job description yeah. and you are going to be paid X amount of dollars for X amount of hours, you know, that's a quid quo pro because mm-hmm. it's an agreement that based on this is the work that I'm doing, I expect the favor of you in kind paying X right. dollars. And yet, you know, we have people who are more in their center of being and they show up, give a two hour speech, and make a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yep. And I could have easily given the exact same speech and not make a couple hundred thousand. Right, I wouldn't That's right. $50,000. So That's what's right. the difference between the two?
1: Right. It's the being, it's being an integrity with your soul, with your. Yeah. And you can tell when you're with someone who is, who, is, who is having that experience. I mean, there have been times when I've been in meetings where I, I worked like crazy to prepare or events where I've spoken and I've, and I've prepped and practiced like crazy. But to be honest, the, the, the instant that I engage, there's a download that happens. And you can see it in people who they're are there. Suddenly, they're, the power that, and the presence that they have just fills the room. And, and I, and I, I know that that's, that that's the case when, when you're, you're with, you can sense that when you're with somebody. And, and that's exactly what I mean about being authentic. I, that I, I think that the people that are, that are taking the risks to put themselves out there, that um, vulnerability, not even knowing how, I mean, there's no expectation of, 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 uh, of outcome really, at least when when you talk to them, that's how they, they talk about it. I just did what I was told. I, I put out there what was in me to, to put in the room and, and the outcome is because of that, not because of the struggle that I, you know, the day before all of the prep that I did, that actually wasn't as significant as just a lot Allowing. Allowing, allo- being the vehicle by yeah. which those those uh, uh those interactions happen um yeah and that that is what creates that sense of i know who i'm with for the people around that individual you you just you were just in their presence wow um totally present and then and then the, the kind of value that that brings to people's lives is what's is what makes it worth them being with you.
0: Yeah. And I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head, the head in saying that you have to be in that allowing space where, you know, yeah. we, all, we all have, like you said, our own unique gifts and abilities. And we, ha- we all have our different areas of expertise and we have to really come to a place, I think in our journey where we know that we are enough and that wherever it is that we show up fully present and not attached to how it's going to manifest when you're there or what the outcome will be at the end you just have to be present as simple and as tongue-in-cheek as that may sound but it's really true yeah you just have to completely fully show up and listen and uh when it's time to express what you need to express if you have um if you allow yourself to be inspired not make yourself be inspired because that can't, that doesn't work.
1: No, that doesn't.
0: (laughs) Allow it to flow. And then you really do see the magic that starts to happen. And I think that your, your, your success in many of those settings were that you were in, you were able to be authentic and show up. You you knew that you were prepared. You weren't scripted and you allowed yourself to just fully embrace who you were and you weren't attached that it had to work out this way. But exactly. because you were open, then more could actually come into being
1: right. more than you could have expected.
0: And right. so that's not always an easy, you know, line this to go. This
1: is the hard stuff we're talking about. This it's is hard. Scary. Yeah, very scary. I mean, you know, people, people talk about uh, failure, you know, and, and failure being a catalyst for learning. Um, I often find that people discuss failure in relationship to risk. So in order to avoid, yes, if something feels too risky, it's really, you know, what's the, what's the risk of failure? And, and, and for me, if I were to reframe that, I would say that there's more risk involved in avoiding failure than there is in embracing failure. Because when you, when you the risk to who you are in in trying to avoid failing you
0: fail by default is
1: yeah is is uh i think what erodes people's confidence it it sucks your soul it robs you of your energy and it it takes you in a direction where your ability to impact others decreases exponentially depending on how uh, what what little risk you're willing to take so yeah. taking right the, there it is far it is far more risky to you to avoid failure than it is to w- move towards it and i don't mean risky as in go out and be reckless if you've never if you don't free dive with great white sharks on a regular basis <laughs> don't go do that yeah. but but There is there is a risk in revealing who you are, and and sometimes you will fail to connect with people, or your or you will fail to succeed in a relationship, Mm -hmm. and those things are are worth the risk of you. They're worth it. So you know the the whole of our conversation is really quite complex. We're saying to people, you know, I'm saying to people, be authentic, be real risk who you are um, and, 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 and understand that that's, that that's an, a, uh, an exceptional journey that you've just engaged in. Those are, those are hard things to put in the same room at the same time, right?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I think that, you know, it's so funny because I feel like there, there, there are certain, I think, personality types that are very risk adverse and um, focused on avoiding risk all the time. And I know that there are industries, you know, the insurance industry is one, I'm going to call them out on it because everything about them is managing and mitigating risk. So they're focused on the risk all the time. I'm here to challenge anybody who thinks that way or lives or believes that way, that if you're avoiding risk uh, or the risk of failure, or if you're trying to mitigate or trying to manage risk, you know what, you're going to get a lot of, Failure and you're going to have a lot of risky consequences that are coming going to come your way. Absolutely. Your focus. Yes. And if instead of approaching it from avoiding risk, yes. you know, failure, you're looking at, you know, reaching out and going for whatever it is that impossible dream that you really want to have that you don't think is possible, but if right. you, instead of trying to avoid the risk of failure by pursuing that. And instead just open yourself to what if, and what would it look like in a perfect world? If I had a magic wand and I would right abracadabra, right. which actually in Hebrew means as I speak, therefore it becomes exactly.
1: I love that. <laughs> yeah.
0: So if you go abracadabra and it, it actually it. manifest, what would it look like yeah. and allow yourself to pour your energy in that direction and, you know, anyone who's accomplished anything great in any way, shape, or form went with that and not with avoiding risk and failure. Thomas Edison, I, I don't remember the actual numbers, but I know it was hundreds, if not thousands of, of experiments that he did that failed before he actually successfully invented the light bulb.
1: Right. And he
0: invented many, yeah. many different
1: That's a things. famous story of I mm-hmm. learned all these ways how to not make a I had light
0: bulb. to not do it. It's like, okay, check, I Go now I know not to waste my time on this anymore. That didn't work. Try, fail, adjust, try, right. fail, adjust, try, win, 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 win. Woo! You made it. Right. So putting your energy into what it is that you want, we don't want the risk, we don't want the failure, we, we do yeah. want the manifestation or the success whatever success means to you, that's what you want. So that's where you have to put your energy. Yes. Like you as a young kid in school decided, okay, I want to go to the wave park. It's like, you didn't focus on what if it wouldn't happen. Right. Establishment's already telling you it's not going to happen. You're like, but what if, what if I could make it happen? Yes. If I were to put the pieces of the puzzle, it's like, well, what would it take? Right. Now that's where your focus and your energy is. Exactly, That's where
1: and, the magic can happen. Exactly, and even I mean, people would say to me, "Well, Jody, how can you, you know, talk about policy and to, and not actually engage the idea of risk management?" And and I would say to them that you know, when when we're talking about defining the problems and all we're doing is removing the possibility of of failing, we've really cut off all of this blue ocean opportunity to redefine it as something else. What if, what if the way that we've defined this entire situation is the problem, not the situation itself? And so there's a method that I use called transformational scenario planning where I ask people, even, even in, in very edgy uh, uh, contexts where we are talking about policies that have huge implication, to consider that the scenario that they are planning for Is not the only scenario that's possible and so transformational scenario planning was something that was used in South Africa when we were when at that point in history when they were talking about abolishing apartheid government Mm -hmm. and what is it going to look like now to have to a segregated culture now now coming together And instead of saying it's black or it's white, quite literally black or white, Mm -hmm. or instead of saying it's yes or it's no, or it's this or it's that, they went through a process called transformational scenario planning and walked through the variations of how they might frame the issues. And so when, when we're talking about take, take risks, be more authentic Mm-hmm. In a larger context, in a, in, a, in a business context, to consider that just the way you framed the issues might be the problem, then becomes a catalyst for for solution creation and innovation you would have otherwise missed. So, in in a in a personal way, in in a very personal, individual leaders must learn to accept failure. And and rather than avoid it, um, and not to think of risk as something that they need to avoid, even in the large context of of corporate impl- and political implications, re- redefining the context in which you are engaging each other can mm-hmm. offer us so much in terms of solutions. So it, it really it really is. Uh, transformation and authenticity really are two themes that have macro and micro applications. You can do it the larger context needs to understand what it is, but each of us, each of us as leaders, as, as women, as mothers, as industry leaders, as business owners, also need to understand what it means to offer transformation as as part of what it means to be with us, yeah. and and to think about defining the contexts differently can really offer that to us. So yeah, and I and I think that even even as a really young girl, me saying, "Well, why not?" was really me saying, "I think your limiting beliefs are a problem." <laughs> to use all the jargon from the coaching world, right? I challenge your limiting beliefs about me, about you, about the whole scenario. Um, I think maybe we could look at this differently.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, I think that, you know, we've been led to believe and we've chosen to go along with that no matter what it is that we're doing, that there's certain confines that, you know, things have always been done this way, or you can only do things this way. And the truth, the real truth, and I think one of the secrets to success is truly that there really are no limits. There really are no barriers.
1: Yeah. Uh, there the longer really that I've lived, and
0: the longer that I, you know, uh, come to know all sorts of people. Uh, I, for example, I have this one teacher who incredible human being. Her name is Renee Klein, and she's now retired. And in a, you know, in the public school system, there's obviously very status quo ways of doing certain things, and we all know what a typical teacher is like and what they yeah. what they yeah. can do and what they obviously obviously can't do because you know they're in the school system. And yet, uh, when I met Renee, less than a year ago, I was astounded to hear, you know, all the things that she did, that were really quite extraordinary. And she didn't care what the administration said, she didn't care what the superintendent said,
1: just doing it.
0: Her thing is, she was passionate about teaching those kids in the inner city. LA County for the Santa Monica School District. And, um, and the thing is, she got a lot of pushback, not only from the right. administration, but her peers, the other teachers, they really did not like that. Here, you know, she was a teacher. Yeah. She taught herself how to grant right, to get grants. Yeah. Funding so that she would have the money to take these kids and take right. them on the field trips, get them the supplies so that she could fully expose them. It wasn't about her just doing her job the best, but giving the best to those children. Right. And and improving the life of those kids that otherwise would not have been. But she passionately loved these kids and trueheartedly wanted what was best for them. So she, she didn't even yeah. do it to go up against the establishment. She's like, well, what if I could get you know additional money to be able to afford these things so that we can provide these tools to these right. kids and right. provide these experiences? Well, oh, there's you know, what if there's a foundation or a, you know an organization out there that's willing to give money for this? And she started with the what ifs, and yes. she know how to grant write, but she's like, she's a teacher, she knows how to write well, she knows how to fill out forms well. Yeah, he just did it. Lo and behold, she yeah. has grant funding coming in. So now she's doing all the things that they said that she couldn't do. She couldn't take them off campus because they're in right. the inner city. Whatever excuses they gave her. All those
1: limits are gone.
0: And guess what? She did it anyway. Wow. She did it anyway. And, you know, so that's proof. That's another example that yes. it doesn't matter where you're standing, whether you're in the medical system, health and wellness, whether you're in the you know public school system, whether yes. you're in insurance and real yeah. estate. Music, sports—it doesn't matter what industry yes. you
1: in. Yeah, and you know that's a really great story that you're telling because it reminds me too that a lot of people that self-doubt comes from, well, I I don't have the skill, right, or I, I don't I don't know if I it have matter. what. It, so it really it just uh, the the bigger question is, you know, how much are you willing to learn? <laughs> Not what do you know already, it's how much you're willing to learn. Like, I didn't know at 12 years old I needed a liability waiver to take 30 kids on a bus trip. Uh, Who would have thought that, you know,
0: and you figured it out?
1: It wasn't something I needed to know at 12, but I needed to know it for that, so I was going to learn it, just like the story that you told. She didn't, she, you know, I guess this is something I need to be able to do. I'm going to go get that skill. So, you don't have to know all of the answers before you start Mm -hmm. or have all of the skill. No, it's more of a willingness to learn. I, I don't know what I'm going to need to be and do that's right. But I'm how much you willing to learn. And that, that to me is a, is a critical question. Are Are you, are you willing to unlearn a whole bunch of garbage that you might've towed in with you into this situation and, and rethink everything? Can you, can you, can you be okay with that? Because that might be what's required, right? No, I may have to shed all the expectation of what it means to be a teacher and redefine it so that I can learn what I need so I can go do that thing. So I can show people that, that the, the way that they thought things needed to be isn't necessarily, uh, the way it's going to go. Cause I, I can envision something different. Yeah. So that's a great story.
0: Yeah, you, you can, you, like in your case, you asked why not. And I think if you're willing to ask the why not questions, you can untie the knots that will For
1: keep sure. you from getting where it is that you why want. Why not? Go. Ooh, let's use that. Yeah, yeah, the knots that hold us back.
0: Yeah, why not? Ask the why not so you can untie the knots that are holding you back because Absolutely. ultimately you have, there you've agreed to these knots, K-N-O-T-S. yes. And you don't need to, you can untie them by just saying, well, why not? And yeah. then he, it's like, well, why not? And what is it that you really want? And then go for it and then right. it will be revealed to you. So, you know, we're at the bottom of the hour here. It's been an exciting, oh, uh, an exciting. We're done
1: hour. already. I know this is yeah. the way with you and I, we could just get going and <laughs> yeah. so much fun.
0: But thank you so much for being on the bottom line show bottom live. Line. And uh, this has been a great hour. I'm sure we'll have you back again. Thank there's you, so much Elaine. To uncover, there's um, a lot of need Absolutely. for talking about being, you know, standing in your authenticity and being in your beingness. And, um, you know, as, as Brene Brown uh, says, you know, revealing that aspect of you, of that vulnerability. As mm-hmm. scary as it is, it's also that place in our being that actually empowers us. It is. Not easy. Um, I would say not even simple to do. uh, Not at all. But it is very doable.
1: (laughs) Very hard stuff, very worth it every time. Yeah, so
0: thank you for being on the show.
1: Thank you, Lillian.
0: Peace and love always to you. And thank you from sunny Huntington Beach to bright Canada. You're in uh,
1: Victoria.
0: Yeah, you're in Victoria, Canada. Yes, yeah. Fantastic. Thank you for being with us. Thanks, Lillian. Bye-bye now.
1: Bye-bye.